The Whistleblower Report, exposing lies, deceptions, and all that has assaulted our way of life. We must take back our freedom and live as God designed in a free America that honors our Constitution and our Creator. Our experts in medicine, ministry, law, military, environment, and education empower us to grow together as a nation. For such a time as this, the Whistleblower Report offers truth and solutions. Welcome to another Whistleblower Report military segment. This is Dr. Lee for America, and I am here with my co-host, Freedom Fighter 1776, and attorney Davis Younts, who has been not only representing many of our military clients, because he is a reserve JAG officer in the U.S. Air Force, but he's also a civilian attorney in Pennsylvania and fighting on the medical freedom front extensively, both for civilians and our military service members. And Freedom Fighter 1776 is a career military service member approaching, I think it's 18 years in the military at this point in different branches and has a variety of roles in the military, one of which includes some training in medical fields. So as we talk about the NDAA and the appearance of a waiver or a cessation to the COVID vaccine mandates for the experimental COVID gene therapy shots, it's helpful to have me as a physician and our military service member who also has medical expertise to join the attorney in talking about what really happened with the NDAA agreement? That's the National Defense Authorization Act of 2022. And what did they really accomplish? Was it as much as it appeared? And what is, has not been done that is causing huge problems for our military readiness and our national security? So, Attorney Yeltsin and Freedom Fighter 1776. Let's talk about what's really been going on and what your thoughts are about what the NDAA actually does do and what it does not do. And maybe that's toss that ball to our attorney first. Thank you, Dr. Bleed. Yeah, th- it's really critical that we go through what's actually in the NDAA. As you know, that legislation, that budget that passes every year is what funds our military. It's critical and it has to get done, right? It's one of those things they talk about that's a must must pass legislation. If they don't get it done before Christmas, it could delay military paychecks in January. So there's a lot of brinksmanship that always goes into the NDAA. And this year, Congress, uh, enough congressional leaders got together and said, okay, we're going to end the vaccine mandate. And, and as a first step, that's great news. It's a victory as a first step, but it is only a first step because all the language does is say, 
when this NDA passes, when it's signed by the president and becomes law, the Department of Defense has 30 days to end the mandate. But that's it. That's all it does. It does not address. It is completely silent on what's going to happen to all of those who are in various stages of being separated, discharged from the military, those that have already been fired from command positions, those who've already been um, convicted at court-martials because of of their stand against an unlawful order and an unlawful mandate here. So there's just so many unanswered questions to talk about because this is very, very narrow. It almost seems like it's so narrow that it's a hollow victory in a sense. In, in some ways it is. Again, I don't want to downplay the fact that it is, it's a great first step. But to put it in context, this is what we were asking for last year. Last year for the 2022 NDAA, if enough congressional leaders had taken a stand and done this, we wouldn't be in the situation that we're in because the mandate was only a couple months old and you didn't have well over 10,000 military members kicked out, fired from their jobs, um, and no longer in the military. And, and the vast majority of them have adverse service characterizations that affect their benefits, affect their employability, and other things. So it's severe punishment that military members have faced. So there's a history there. The only thing Congress did last year in the NDAA was take the punishment, is lessen the punishment just a little bit. So they said, hey, the worst case scenario for someone kicked out simply for refusing the mandate was a general discharge. General discharge still takes away a lot of benefits for military members, but it was a start and it did help significantly to the extent that for most of us in the military, we were not court-martialed for taking a stand against the vaccine mandate because one of the punishments would be a more severe type of discharge and the military just didn't have the resources to court-martial us all because enough people took a stand if they weren't going to get the punishments they wanted out of it. So that was that was last year. That's the history. So here we are. And, and looking forward, there are no clear answers on what the military and DOD policies are going to be moving forward for those who remain unvaccinated, even without the mandate. So there's a lot we can talk about there um, and we can jump into as far as what that's going to look like day to day for military members. Well, let's do that. Okay, so so I want to start with understanding the types of coercion that the military has done to people um, leading up to this, the things that the military has done that are not necessarily going to stop because of this. So we're going all the way back to last year before this was a mandate, before it was even mandated. We had the United States Navy that was um, not allowing the unvaccinated and only the unvaccinated to leave military installations. They were not allowing them to go to church on base or off base. They were not allowing them to go to church if they were unvaccinated. And we had Navy commands who, if you were going on a deployment, if you were going on a cruise, if you were going on a ship and you were unvaccinated, only the unvaccinated, you would have to show up and quarantine on the ship 14 days before it left port. You could not leave the ship for any port calls. And then you would have to quarantine 14 days on the ship after it returned home if you were unvaccinated and only the unvaccinated testing, anything else was not good enough. It was only the unvaccinated. That's just an example of the kind of coercion uh, that we've seen. And I will say based on my clients, I know that the Navy was the worst. Navy was the most extreme in their coercion tactics. Those policies 
are still in place for many, many Navy commands. I know personally of a Navy sailor that just got back from an almost nine-month deployment, had to report 14 days early, did not leave the ship. The ship made multiple port calls, did not leave the ship, and then came back and still everyone else is gone. He had to quarantine on the ship for 14 days. So I, I bring up those examples to say what we're going to see moving forward, even with this change to the NDAA, is we're going to see the services and commanders have great discretion to continue these coercive policies. So, for example, let's take Navy SEALs. I represent many Navy SEALs. If they remain unvaccinated, there's no reason to expect that they'll be allowed to return to training or to turn, return to a deployment status. So they'll be ready to go, ready to deploy peak physical condition, everything's good to go. But if they remain unvaccinated, this NDAA does not prevent the Navy from preventing them from deploy or going any any kind of a status. Uh, we still see situations where military members are not allowed to travel. They're not allowed to leave installations, um, except with clear exceptions, because they're unvaccinated. And uh, most of these have no tie, zero tie, to any logical or rational public health or safety measures that the rest of society is taking right now. And yet the military is still doing it because the goal is 100% of the military force being injected. That's the goal from the beginning. That remains the goal. So even though the mandate goes away, the coercion is still going to be there and commanders are still being rated based on their statistics and their numbers of whether or not they're at 100%. So there, there's just there's so many unanswered qu questions. There's such a lack of clarity, and that's just on the coercion side. The other piece of this is what are we going to do with the thousands and thousands of military members who, for for religious reasons, because they filed a religious accommodation that was denied. All of them have been denied. They've been blanket denied. That's clear from the litigation that's ongoing. All military members who filed a religious accommodation had their religious accommodation denied unless they were separating, unless they were getting ready to separate and had an approved separation in place, retirement or otherwise in place. They've all they've all been denied. So you have individuals like that that were given after their religious accommodation appeal was denied. They were given five days to get this injection. They did not. And then they were punished. They were punished by the military and they are perceived as having violated an order. So even if even if this mandate ends per the NDAA, the military is still moving forward with discharging anyone who refused the injection, regardless of why, regardless if it was an unlawful denial of their religious accommodation or was simply that they were challenging the fact that there is no FDA approved product available. So regardless of why they were challenging, all of those people are still vulnerable. And, and this isn't a small thing. The rest of society has moved past COVID, and I'm still actively representing military members who are going to administrative separation boards and potentially being separated from the military with adverse service characterizations while the rest of society has moved on because they're being accused of having violated a, a lawful order. So- the reality is the first case involving the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, which is the religious accommodation side of this, that goes to trial in January. Unless there's a delay, that goes to trial in January. That's the Florida case that's being run by Liberty Council. I have clients that are part of that plaintiff group. That case will go to trial in January. 
This mandate doesn't stop that because you still have violations of the Religious Freedom Restoration Act. You still have all of those people involved in it that are still in the military. And then again, it's well over 10,000 individuals who were discharged adversely, accused of misconduct and discharged because of the mandate when it was in place. And all of those, whether it was for religious reasons or otherwise, all of those people are still affected by this. And, and we have thousands and thousands of others that left the military, didn't necessarily get discharged, but either retired or left the military at the end of their contract, the end of their term of service, um, or got out early because of this mandate. And I'm, and I can speak to that firsthand. Um, we have individuals that, that were pilots that have left because of this mandate. They left early. They were able to get out early. They reached the end of their contract or they retired. I am, I am, you know, I am still in the Air Force Reserves. I still serve as a JAG, Lieutenant Colonel in the Air Force Reserves. I'm here in my private capacity as a civilian, giving my own opinions, not that of the Air Force, but I am scheduled to and have an approved retirement date of 21 December of this month. That's an early retirement date for me. I'll hit 20 years, but I'm getting out at precisely 20 years because of this mandate, because I no longer want to be part of any of what's happening and and want to continue to fight it as best I can in a civilian status. So that's the impact that we're talking about. And again, while this is forward looking, um, as far as it will end the mandate, um, it still creates a huge problems. And there's nothing about this NDAA, Dr. Vliet, nothing about it that says in six months, the DOD can't come back and, and reinstitute the mandate. Because they can say there's a change in circumstances, there's a new emergency, there's information we didn't know then. They're already talking about that. They're already talking about that. Military leaders are already talking about what can we do in the future, six months from now, if we say operationally, we have to do this. Or if we say, hey, we're we're deploying everyone to, I don't know, Ukraine. Um, and so we need everyone vaccinated because of that. Uh, there's a new contingency operation. Um, so there's already discussions about how far they can push this and what Congress could do coming back. So in other words, once they get the money, they can do whatever they want to reinstitute the mandate and there are no consequences, if I understood you correctly. Well, well, the issue is, and the, this is this is not speculation. This is what's happened. The the Department of Defense and Department of Justice attorneys in the Religious Freedom Restoration Act cases in the Doster case in Ohio, when they argued it before the Fifth Circuit, they said that a congressional statute, a federal statute, the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, they said they didn't have to follow it as the military. They didn't have to follow it because. It didn't give it wasn't policy and it didn't give them procedures. It's very, very clear. First of all, that that legislation is very clear. They said they didn't have to follow it, that that they're the military. They could move forward on doing what they wanted to do. And if military members thought there was a problem, they could just sue. They could just sue. And and obviously the, cir the, the circuit court obviously took great uh, umbrage at that and and kept the injunction in place. But I say that to say. Here, as it stands, we have not only the clear violation of the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, but we have Title 10 and Title 21 of the United States Code that say the military cannot require a military member to take an emergency use or an experimental medical product, 
cannot be done. It's federal law. It's clear. It's black and white. It's written very simply. It, it's easy to understand. That's what the law says. And the military has been ignoring that and not doing that. So we, and they've tried different ways to sort of say, oh no, there's an interchangeability issue or we have this or we have that. So what I say, what I express is a concern that this is funding legislation, right? This is legislation that says, hey, we're giving you a bill, we're authorizing this, but as part of this legislation and part of this funding, the mandate ends. So essentially what the Congress is saying is you can't use any money we give you in your budget to enforce this mandate anymore. But that does not mean that 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 the current leadership in the Department of Defense isn't going to look to circumvent this and find ways around it, whether through coercion or whether, you know, they, they do other things. I mean, here's a simple example, and I hate even to speak this out into the open, but others have already talked about it. They could simply say, look, that vaccine is required for deployable to be in a deployable status. If you go 12 months without being in a deployable status, we're going to kick you out because you're not deployable. And then they're kicking people out over the mandate anyway, but but they're doing it because they've made an internal policy decision that says you can't deploy. It, it's truly unbelievable and, and really quite chilling when you think about the impact that our own leaders are deliberately destroying military readiness by forcing this many people out of the military when we were already short in so many areas. Retention is down, recruiting is down because morale is bad because of the persecution. And you use the word coercion. Uh, I, as a civilian, would use the word harsh punishment and retaliation rather than just coercion because they really are quite punitive. It, it's a uh, it's hostility towards the troops, which is quite appalling and uncharacteristic of what I've seen in our military over the years as, as an outside observer. Freedom Fighter, what, what are your observations on the inside? Because you've personally experienced so much of this punishment and persecution for taking a stand on your religious beliefs. Yeah, I, I want to speak to specifically what uh, Davis brought up about the coercion activities in these in these requirements from different commands. We're already seeing that certain commands have a a booster mandate, so so the third and fourth shots to be on a deployability or or simply just to walk inside a federal establishment, a federal building without a mask. So they're already doing this discrimination yet again to where if you're unvaccinated or you're not up to date, right? Vaccinated is now changed definition to up to date, AKA third and fourth injections of these experimental shots in your body. Uh, then you can't, you can't enter these facilities without a mask. But if you're up to date, then then you can then you can enter without a mask so we're kind of back to this discriminatory coercion um nature of all this and i don't think this the the assumption from the very beginning that there was an fda approved and licensed product but we know from whistleblower testimony that there's never been the fda approved and licensed covid-19 injections and so what service members have re received and got punished for 
uh, bringing up lawful concerns because like Davis mentioned, it's unlawful to force uh, these emergency use authorized products on service members. They have a right to accept or refuse. But when service members were bringing this up, aka violations of law to their chain of command they were they were getting crushed and retaliated against so whistleblower retaliation right off the bat and so that's what that's what we're seeing and that's what i i fear we're going to continue to see and then um on top of that even the testing and the masking there are no fda approved and licensed masks tests or or these injections available and and that's been from the very start. So the people listening to this across the nation at home, I mean, that goes for you too. You try to walk into some of these hospitals and they force you to don one of these experimental emergency use authorized masks. Well, guess what? They're violating federal statute law. It's clearly written as Davis has brought up. You're exactly right. And when the CDC and the FDA acknowledged, and I think both of you, know about that. They've just acknowledged that the experimental COVID shots cause blood clots. We already know that there are many health adverse consequences from wearing a mask over extended periods of time. So they are flying in the face of other government agencies' recognition of problems. Right. You're absolutely right. So we have the lack of an FDA approved and licensed product, the forceful coercion of EUA products, the unlawfulness of applying interchangeability argument to this, right? Because interchangeability with an FDA approved and licensed product can only be interchangeable with another FDA approved and licensed product. You can't have interchangeable with FDA approved licensed product with an emergency use authorized product, yet that is exactly what the DOD has used and weaponized against their service members. Because every time a service member would say, hey, this is unlawful, uh, the local based clinic doesn't have the FDA licensed and approved product, they, they would then say, oh, well, it's interchangeable. Well, that's, that's unlawful as well. That's, that's highly illegal, and it's written down black and white in federal statute. And so, so we have that, and then the safety signals from the very beginning. From the very onset of this, we've had the VAERS data, and now um, we had the the FDA documents that finally got, that got forced, a court forced the FDA to release these FDA documents back in January of 2022 this year, and it shows the enormous safety signals as well. So none of this, none of this truly makes any sense for, especially for a disease with a 99.97% survival rate, so... Davis, your comments on that? Uh, all of it, all of it is, I, I think, very, very accurate. And I, w- I will say this: even the interchangeability argument that they they tried to use originally, they're not even using it anymore. Uh, they are running so far from that. In some of these court proceedings, some of the hearings and boards that I've done, uh, they don't even bring it up. They don't even want to talk about it. They know know how poorly thought through that idea of interchangeability and arguing interchangeability was certainly only was pertaining to medical interchangeability, never legal interchangeability of these products and the fact that they're legally distinct. So I, I think there's um, there's a lot more to talk about as we unravel this, but the the level of coercion and just the fact that they're still treating the unvaccinated um, 
just so poorly across the board. And that level of coercion, just, I mean, someone serving in the military for two decades, it just breaks my heart because it's so, it's so unnecessary. It's so unfair. And again, a significant percentage of these folks, the vast majority of my clients, their starting point for objecting to this vaccine was religious. So we're discriminating against Christians who are objecting to this before we even get to um, the unlawfulness of this, um, which is just sad. It breaks my heart. It really does. Well, it so flies in the face of the honor and the dedication to the U.S. Constitution that has been a characteristic of our military. And the fundamental freedom in the First Amendment is religious freedom. So I, I find... I. I just keep coming back to a major question, and we may want to talk more about this in the second half, but I come back to a major question. How, what is it that is turning these commanders into such tyrants when this is not the military that they were trained in, that they came up in, that they, and not the values that led to their promotions? What has happened to create such a cataclysmic change and a catastrophic change in the core values of our leadership? And Doc Fleet, I'd have to say it's fear over faith, right? It's fear over faith, and that's something we can definitely get get into in the in the second half. But fear over faith, you know, we must put our faith in God. So we. Uh, we can stand up, we can speak up, we can go forth and, and, and do what's right. What we all know is right. Right. And I, and I agree with you, but I will say this, how can so many totally set aside their conscience and their training and the oath that they took to the U S constitution America, that's one of the most troubling questions in all of this, is how can our leaders have betrayed the average men and women of our military, our businesses, our medical institutions, patients in hospitals, even congregations in churches? How could our leaders have so betrayed us for a political agenda that made no sense medically, that had no scientific data to support it, and in fact had a great deal of risk information that was known long before the COVID shots even rolled out. We'll be back after the second, after the break, to talk more in the second half about all of these subjects and more in terms of what lies ahead for our military. This is Dr. Lee for America with the whistleblower report from Truth for Health Foundation. Listen to us every day, five times a week, Monday through Friday, 12 noon and 12 midnight Eastern time on America Out Loud Talk Radio. And check out our website for all the archives, www.truthforhealth.org. And our vaccine injury treatment guide, our COVID treatment guide, our citizens vaccine injury reporting system, and a wealth of other medical and legal resources. We'll be right back. 
after the break. This message is from the Truth for Health Foundation. Hi, I'm Dr. Sam Sigloff, a family medicine physician and a major in the U.S. Army. The following are only my opinions. Service members are being coerced to participate in medical experimentation, with over 7,500 service members being discharged for refusing to participate. Many of them have lost their retirement and medical benefits. There are allegations that the DOD is committing medical fraud, violating the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, and violating the constitutional rights of service members. Strong men and women stand ready to defend so that you can sleep peacefully through the night. Now we must stand watch over the military so they can sleep peacefully through the night. Please get involved to help protect the military. This message brought to you by the Truth For Health Foundation. For more information, please visit truthforhealth.org. That is truthforhealth.org. Truth, the word for, health.org. People often ask me, Malcolm, how do we fight the corruption? Robert Frost has said it best. Freedom lies in being bold. Well, for six incredible years, bold is America out loud. Welcome to the new era in communications, America Out Loud Talk Radio. We know you love the versatility and portability of the Genesis Fogger, but sometimes you just want to set it and forget it. Well, we heard you. Introducing the UX4 HOCL Atomizer. This stationary unit quietly protects you and is perfect for smaller spaces. With over a quarter million units sold in Japan, it's now available in the United States. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud to see the UX4 in action and receive a 15% discount on either Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you're ready for anything. Trouble getting to sleep and staying asleep is infuriating. Your mind races, you toss and turn, and the harder you try, the harder it is to drift off. And today's fast-paced digital age makes it tougher. You're not alone. Poor sleep affects over 70% of us. The CDC even labeled insufficient sleep a public health epidemic. Advanced nutrition company, Healthy Cell, created REM sleep to help you quickly fall asleep, stay asleep, sleep deep, and wake refreshed. Unlike other supplements that don't work, REM sleep is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients, supporting all four stages of sleep using calming herbs, amino acids, and sleep hormone support. Over a thousand reviews with an average star rating of over 4.4 proves it works. Take back your sleep. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. Oral hygiene hasn't changed in 50 years, but our diet and the way we eat has, creating an environment in your mouth for bacteria to wreak havoc on your teeth and gums. For better oral health, get Spry Dental Defense an oral care line designed to combat acid-creating bacteria. The toothpaste, mouthwash, mints, and gum all contain xylitol, a natural ingredient shown to dramatically improve oral health. Spry can be found online and at all fine natural retailers. This is Dr. Lee for America, back with the second half of the Whistleblower Report, Military Report, with Freedom Fighter 1776 and... Attorney Davis Youts, U.S. Air Force Reserves, JAG attorney and civilian attorney in Pennsylvania. 
we're talking about the consequences that are unfolding in our military with the damage from the COVID mandates for the experimental shots, the experimental masking, and the experimental EUA test kit products, and how our military service members are literally being persecuted and punished and discriminated against. You know, gentlemen, it really reminds me of the kind of persecution that is characteristic of militaries in dictatorships. The Soviet Union, Communist Party of China, North Korea, Venezuela. And this has never been the history of the U.S. military. We've always had a code of honor, military law. We've had the rules of engagement. There, there have always been, there's been an underlying moral basis of the way in which our military has operated and treated its service members on the whole. And, and this, is, this is a 180 degree shift from anything I've observed as a civilian in the course of my lifetime. And I had family members who served in the military. So I'm, I'm familiar with the code of conduct and uniform code of military justice. This is really quite staggering. What, what else besides, you know, I, I just can't accept that it's only fear that has driven such a cataclysmic change. What, what, what are some other factors that may be driving this major shift? Does it relate to some of the purging of the military leadership that we saw in the years under the administration prior to President Trump from 2008 to 2016? I witnessed a lot of senior leaders being drummed out of the military because they were Christians and conservatives. What, what thoughts do you have about all of this? I have a lot. And I, and I do think we have to start at a base question uh, of, of morality, you know, and I come at it as a Christian, someone who believes that all of scripture should apply to all of life. And I think that's part of it, but, but let's talk about the oath. A military officer, a service member takes an oath to support and defend the Constitution of the United States. But in the military, instead of taking the time to focus on what that means and the values, the foundational values that are associated with our nation, with the Constitution, we're focused on so many other things. We've lost that that moral foundation. We've lost that moral basis. And so what you see is you see a military that is operating in many respects, unmoored from the Constitution. And I mean, again, having done this for 20 years, it's shocking me that I'm walking into boards and I'm having to look senior military leaders in the eye in these boards and say to them, this is a potential constitutional crisis. And I look at them and I've made this argument for my clients because it's true. And why do I say that? I say that because the Constitution sets up three branches of government, the legislative, the executive, and the judicial. And when the executive branch, which the military falls under, 
is choosing to ignore the law, clear federal law. What is that? That's not being consistent with an oath to support and defend the Constitution because Congress makes the law, not the executive branch, not the Department of Defense. Take it a step further, you see it played out in the NDAA. That is Congress saying to the military, no, we're exercising our power of a purse over you. And many congressional leaders agree with everything we've said so far, that this is illegal, that it's unlawful, that it's not there. There's just not enough of them taking that stand. But others are willing to come along and say, well, this is at least some overreach and we have to at least pull it back. So there, there's just this foundational question about respect for the oath of office, respect for the Constitution and what that means. But when you have an executive branch, which the DOD falls under, where they're saying the things they're saying in court about, well, we don't have to follow that law unless someone sues us and tries to enforce it. That's a problem. So I think it's a sin issue. I think there are other issues, but we're we're not saying sticking to those values. But that's why we have a recruiting problem. That's why we have a recruiting problem, Dr. V. We're not military service isn't aspirational anymore. If we're not behind a mission that military service members can believe in, and we're not trying to be the best that we can be for a nation that we believe in, then not only do you have people not wanting to be a part of that because it's not aspirational anymore, but but it becomes a very selfish entity. So when, you know, Freedom Fighter 1776 says, you know, it's, it's fear over faith. Well, sure, it, it's fear because it's a selfish self-centered military that's about a career more than it is about about the mission and our responsibilities and we're holding on too tightly to that so again i'm seeing all of these things in cases i'm seeing these things play out in cases i'm seeing commanders testifying in these cases saying well i just relied on my jag i had no idea that issue asking commanders point blank did you know there is no fda approved product available no idea no idea that that's even an issue how can you say that? We've given you that. We've given that to you in writing, but, but but they're not even willing to read it. They're not even willing to look at it. So again, it's it's not just fear over faith, but it is, it, it can become very quickly if we don't have a higher calling, if we don't have a higher purpose in what we're doing when we're serving in the military, then it becomes about careerism. It becomes about selfish, self-fulfillment, and advancing in a career more than it does the self-sacrificial service that we're supposed to be a part of. Davis, you're absolutely right. And going back to what you said about the oath, the oath is such an incredible foundation for specifically for an officer, the oath to the oath of office, not to the president, not to your boss, not to your career, not to any of that. And should the day arise where you receive unlawful orders, we have a duty as officers uh, to take the hard right over the easy wrong and and be ready for the consequences that might come from that. But that's our duty. That's exactly what we do. That's why we raised our right hand and and seeing it from the inside and watching it and observing it. It is 100% more times than not. Okay. I'm not going to say 100%, but more times than not a careerist mentality that we're seeing that they're willing to crush every individual, specifically commanders crush every individual underneath them who brings up any sort of questions as as to to why we're doing certain things and oh by the way it's unlawful just absolutely destroy them and purge them completely that has been a trend 
that has been escalating since 2008. Now, that trend is taking place in the civilian world as well, but it's particularly, it's, it's more alarming in the military, partly because we have an all-volunteer force and we depend upon people wanting to be part of the military. We depend on the military to follow the rule of law and follow the Uniform Code of Military Justice and their duty to the Constitution. That has been the cornerstone of the defense of freedom for all of us. So when when the military is as co-opted with this attitude of lawlessness that we don't have to follow the UCMJ, we don't have to follow our oath to the Constitution. That breakdown in the moral underpinnings and the constitutional underpinnings and the code of military regulations underpinnings, that's really very chilling for us as civilians to think about because what's to stop our military then, those remaining, from being turned against the rest of the population for not going along with the political agenda, which is what happens in communist China, the Soviet Union before it fell, and North Korea and all of the other dictatorships. Doc Fleet, to a sense, I would say that the parts of the military have already been weaponized against certain parts of the regular populace. When you look at these guard units that were going out and injecting the civilian populace with these emergency use authorized products, I mean, that's that's in itself, um, you know, not not giving them proper informed consent. Why? Because nobody actually knows what's in these products and come to find out that they're they're dangerous and deadly. Right. And so you have that aspect and um but yeah it is it is it's it's so critically important for officers to understand and those senior ncos to understand and the senior ncos out there to stand up and to be that advisor to that commander and really stand in the gap and and take that commander behind closed doors and and look out for your enlisted service members that's our job as senior ncos to look out for our enlisted service members when an officer or commander may have it wrong. That's our duty. And so um, that's, that's critically important as well. And I just really hope people heed that and, and listen to that because that's happening and that's happened. And then going back to Davis's point about the foundation, about we've gotten so off target from, or off base from the, the foundations, the principles of this, of this uh, nation, right? The, the constitution that I've seen it for a while that we there, why are most people don't even understand what the constitution is and they're officers. And it's like, have you even read it? No, I've never read it. Like, uh, wow. And, and, and so that's, it's just an incredibly huge breakdown in so many multifaceted areas. Well, it, it is, and, and it is, is really so alarming to me personally, partly because I, I had the extraordinarily rare experience in my early 20s of being part of 
an educational tour to the Soviet Union. And I experienced the tyranny firsthand as a tourist. Um, We were there twice. My husband designed the programs for the College of William and Mary. And we were one of the first U.S. college alumni groups being allowed into the Soviet Union. And the pervasiveness of the oppression of the people, the control, the lack of food, the lack of freedom of movement, the fact that they could pull any of us out of line at any moment at gunpoint and take us away. It was was an experience that lives with me to this day in terms of the enormity of its impact on me and the appreciation for this country and the rule of law. And I'm seeing all of that taking place again. I mean, look at the January Sixers who are still in prison with no due process. And that should never happen in the United States. And yet it has gone on since January 6, 2020. So we're coming up on a full two years. And in addition to all of the concerns that you brought up about the fact that what's going to happen to the military service members where the MDAA just simply didn't address anything about stopping the punishment and stopping the purging and stopping the coercion and stopping the discrimination. Then we're looking at the fact that we already have whistleblowers talking about the fact that they are surreptitiously doing combination flu COVID shots that are based on the mRNA technology. And so it's a simple enough matter to say, oh, okay, so we're going to let the COVID mandate go on the experimental shots. But by the way, you're mandated to get the flu shot and the mRNA platform is still being used in the development of the newer flu vaccines. And there are big pharma insider whistleblowers that are confirming that statement. So that's another cause for grave concern to the safety and well-being of our troops. Doc, it, it absolutely is. And and the concern now as well is the way that the COVID mandate was handled has, has really created a breach of trust with so many, not just new recruits, people who were considering military service, those who have a desire to stay in or not. There, there's just a lack in, of breakdown in trust. I mean, just imagine not being able to trust what's in supposed medical treatment you're receiving from the military, from a military medical provider. And we've seen that. I mean, we we had the situation with my client in Maine in the National Guard who was supposed to be getting the flu shot and was given the COVID shot. Just an inexcusable so-called mistake that they made. But but we've already seen that sort of bait and switch, if you will. And and I have grave concerns for other things that are going to happen moving forward, moving forward in the military. But we just, we have that pattern. I still go back to, and I go back to every time I think about it, 2015, the army war college did a study at the time, the military was the most trusted institution in society, right? Just 2015 army war college did a study and they demonstrated that there was a huge integrity crisis in the United States army among the officer corps because 
They were simply signing off and checking the box on inspections and reports that were impossible to have been completed, but they were just checking yes anyway. And here's the example. There, there were training requirements. The training requirements were so extensive, you couldn't possibly complete them all in one year. Just physically impossible with all the different training blocks that they did. And they broke down and they did in the study. Two professors at the Army War College did this. And yet every officer in the Army that was in a command position was signing off that they trained everyone when it was physically impossible to do it. Right. And it was it was literally a an integrity crisis. The system had reached a point where saying yes on that inspection, saying yes on that, you know, checking off on that report, getting green on whatever that requirement was, was more important than integrity. That was that was 2015 when that study was done. And that should have been sending off huge alarm bells. But what you have seen from 2015 to now, now look at the view the American public has towards our military. The the level of trust as an institution that the that the American public has in our military today is just dropping precipitously. And again, that's alarming. What you know, the other question that comes to my mind as I think about the consequences of their actions, what are they going to do to fill the slots with the people that have been abruptly terminated and those that are still being purged from the military, they don't have options other than people of less experience, less education, people, they are lowering the recruiting standards, they're lowering the physical fitness standards. And then we have the odd occurrence of thousands of military-age men coming across our open border, our southern border and our northern border, that we're being flooded with illegals crossing the borders. So my mind goes to the question, are they planning to use those people against us and put them in uniform without training, without the cultural upbringing of being an American? because they're short bodies? I mean, it, it's well, a it's an obvious question. Well, you know, we have to look at history. We can't miss history. Why, why did Rome fall? Part of the reason why Rome ultimately fall is because so many of their military were foreign, foreign mercenaries, were foreign nationals that, that were there defending Rome. So, you know, the, the, we say those things sometimes and people think we're sounding sensational, but it's not a it is not a a strange question to ask are we if we're not training on the constitution anymore we're not even training our current military members on what the constitution is what it's founded upon what it means what the expectations are and then we we lower standards and we have you know a pathway to citizenship for foreign nationals through military service they they don't have any training on the constitution and then we're not giving them that training in the military i mean that you're you're absolutely right that's a, that's a problem the other effort we have seen um, is trying to enforce um, selective service on our daughters. Remember that that fight. That fight has come up in Congress several times, and it's been Chip Roy and others that have brought attention to it. But but the reality is they've been looking at selective service registration for our daughters. I listen. I have no hesitation saying if the, the recruiting numbers keep falling and they purge all these people, we should be we should be looking for some in government to be looking to try to do compulsory service. 
instead of an all-volunteer service. I could see us having two years of a compulsory service very, very soon if we can't, if they can't meet the recruiting numbers, repeated failure to do that, that's going to be the next option. So they're going to have you're going to have immigration with individuals that have no training in the constitution, no shared history. You're going to have, you know, drafting um, men and women into military service involuntarily, potentially if we don't address some of these issues. And um, there's just a whole lot of societal consequences to that. But quite frankly, um, given the level of indoctrination that we see in the military, the level of social experimentation and medical experimentation that can be done on military members, I could see some in government that would be thrilled to see that move. Well, it's, it, it, we know what happened with the draft during the Vietnam era, and that undermined morale in the army with all of the people that didn't want to be there. And the fact that we have, for most of the rest of my adult life, we have seen an all-volunteer army has led to, until now, high morale and high retention and a sense of pride in our military and public trust in our military. And they have squandered all of that in the last few years. Now, I have a perspective that it was deliberate, beginning with the Obama administration, because I it was obvious to me, listening to what was said and watching the actions, that under that administration, there was hostility towards America and what it stands for, and, and towards Christians in particular. I think we've seen that escalate in the years since, and I think it has skyrocketed under the out-of-control lawlessness of this Biden administration. And I realize those of you in active duty capacities cannot speculate or comment on those points the way that I as a civilian can, but, but that has been my observation over time, and it is only getting worse, in my opinion. And I think, America, all of you listening need to understand the consequences for all of us if our military is decimated and our core values are undermined in the way that we've been seeing and our military leadership is allowed to literally persecute, punish, and discriminate against our dedicated service members, that is an ominous portent for all of us. And you need to step up and speak out and get involved and communicate to your elected representatives that this is an intolerable situation and Congress needs to step up and do its job as the legislative branch responsible for making laws and protect the integrity and the readiness of our military because they are the national security for all of us. And I wanna thank both Attorney Younts and Freedom Fighter 1776 for your dedicated service in the military and your dedicated and bold, courageous action to bring truth to the public now in all of your work with Truth for Health Foundation, in our legal defense grants. And for those of you that are looking for a year end charitable gift, please consider supporting Truth for Health Foundation. 501c3 public charity and our medical freedom legal defense fund 
We are giving grants to our military service members to help them defend their legal rights. We are taking cases to court for the wrongful deaths that have occurred in our hospitals. We are taking cases forward to address the fraud that has been perpetrated on the public and taxpayer dollars by our health systems billing for services that were medically unnecessary and harmful. Truth for Health Foundation is taking a lead on all of these fronts, and we humbly ask for your support. We are doing our best as a band of warriors defending God's gift of life and God's gift of our liberty. This is a constitutional republic, not mob rule democracy, although we're rapidly losing the checks and balances of our constitutional republic. So stand with us, defend our republic, and God bless you all in this Christmas season. May we celebrate the coming of Christ, bringing light into a dark world. We'll be back again. Thank you for being with us.